Um, let's, uh, let's go to Matthew. I'm echoing somewhere. Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to read the same passage that Pastor Brad read this morning uh, and kind of spin off of, off of that and, and focus in uh, on spiritual fathership. Um, you know, it's Father's Day, but there's spiritual fathership as well. That's, that's so important to just have that in, in our lives and in our church. And when I say fathership, uh, yes, I do mean fathers, but I also mean uh, that, that does not in any way exclude the women at all because women also so spiritually into people's lives and and change and transform people's lives so when i say spiritual fathership i'm talking about women too because you know without without women we'd be missing a lot of people you know because women do so much work in the kingdom of god so don't don't just say oh this is just for the men this is also for women but i was listening to um another sermon earlier this afternoon and by uh, one of our KC pastors, uh, Pastor Daniel Bracken, and he was going through some statistics of fathers, and, and he said that, that um, when a child gets saved in a home, that 3% of the time the family follows. 3% of the time the family follows. But when the mother gets saved in the home, 17% of the time the family follows. But if the father gets saved in the home, it's like it jumps up to like 85% of the time the family follows. That is huge. It, it shows you like how big of an impact fathers have on their home and how important it is for fathers to be uh, in the right position in their home because what they do, the family watches. What they do uh, steers the course of that family so much, and that's why the enemy tries to knock out fathers out of the home because just about every problem that there is suicide um uh just uh, any kind of uh, abuse like alcohol abuse drug abuse anything like that is be most of the time 80 some percent of the time is because of a fatherless home that there's no father in place and it, it causes a child to just lose their place in life many times so you know it's the enemy tries very hard to knock fathers out of the home, out of, and, and even if there's a father there, you know, sometimes there's an absentee father, you know, they're just not there spiritually or they're not there emotionally, and it can do the same thing to a child. So the position of fatherhood in the home is super important and not just being there, but spiritually. That's the important piece, that the father becomes a spiritual guide in the home. Are we in Matthew? Okay. So Matthew uh, chapter 4, verse 18. And it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for there were fishermen. They were fishermen, sorry. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him, and going on from, from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called to them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So when he says come and follow, that word follow means it, it's not just like follow me down the road. You know, it, it doesn't mean just like, come on guys, you know, let's play follow the leader. You know, Simon says, imitate me. It, it, it's not just follow me uh, in my physical footsteps, but it's imitate me. Let me teach you and, and you learn what I'm doing. Even when you take Peter's, Peter's position here, because if you look at it in one of the other gospels, this was right after he preached to the, the multitude on the shore. Remember to, a couple weeks ago, I preached the sermon about how Peter sowed uh, a seed, which was his boat and allowed Jesus to preach and teach from his boat. And so, you know, you have Peter, he just watched Jesus. 
He just watched him in, in a position of teaching and preaching. And then he said, let's go out into the deep. Let's cast your net out in the deep. And we've been fishing all night, Jesus, and we haven't caught anything. But we'll do it because you say so. They cast the net out. They pull out a miraculous load of fish, a huge load of fish. So Peter sees all of this and sees, you know, the preaching, the teaching, and then the miracle that happens. And they're hearing the word of God, but they understand that it's a a different word. It's an anointed word of God. It's not the same as the Pharisees' word or the teachers of the law. They Because every time in, in Scripture they say, this word that he teaches with authority, it's just so different than what we're used to hearing. So they knew that there's something different about this word. It's anointed. It, it hits us different. It touches us different. There, he speaks and something just happens on the inside of us. So you've got Peter, you know, they're, they're looking at this guy and, and, and then he says, come and follow me. Come and follow me. And he's saying, imitate me. Follow me and then learn of me. And so you have the next three years that they're following him, but they're not just going, okay, you know, we'll just like uh, hang out with this guy for a while. No, it, it was like a dropping of your business, a dropping of everything that you had going on, and I'm going to learn of this guy. The interesting thing is this was a normal thing for their culture, in the sense that uh, you would put uh, young boys into schools. They would learn of the Old Testament. They would learn the, the laws of the Old Testament up until about the age of, of, you know, 13, 15. But then at that point, those that did not excel, those that were not um, invited into the next level of learning, which was by great teachers uh, the like Paul had, uh, Gamaliel, he was like a, a teacher of the law, and Paul sat under him. Well, Paul was considered a, you know, a great teacher because he had sat under Gamaliel. But other men that were not invited to continue, they, they went and did their father's business. They learned from their father. So they would do fish, fishing, uh, some sort of apprenticeship. So here Jesus is. He's not going to the school of teachers. Where does he go? Out into the shoreline out into the community, and he's hunting for people. And I really believe what he was looking for were people that he, he, he thought there's, there's a, an element there of faith in them. Because it's not just enough to have head knowledge or he would have went into the schools. He would have went to where they were being taught. It was the same thing just like Elijah. You know, Elijah went to Elisha. He didn't go to the school of prophets. He went and he found Elisha because God told him to. What was Elisha doing? Out plowing a field with oxen. You know, he's out there doing farmer's work. And and God said, go get Elisha. Because sometimes too much sitting and just getting head knowledge and not exercising it, not working it, can put us in a position where we're not operating in faith. And so he finds these common men. And, you know, think about it. They're out there. They've already, uh, they, they missed the cut, so to speak. You know, they, they were raised up in the schooling. But when it came down to it, they didn't have what it took to go on. It's kind of like they didn't get accepted into the college. You know, we're, we're going to go back and, and do our father's business because we didn't get to accept it into the college. And so you have these common guys that Jesus chooses. And he's like, come and follow me. Come and learn of me. I'm going to teach you some things. I'm going to show you some things. And so you've got this discipleship, this fathership that begins to happen, which is so important because you know, even Paul, when he wrote the churches, what did he say? He said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So he's saying, follow what I'm doing. What you see me do, do in your life. And you know, our society, our culture, so many times it's like nobody can tell me what to do. I'm independent. I'm going to do my thing. You can't come in and correct me. You can't tell me what to do. You can't, uh, you know, determine my life. There's this pride or this proudness where we don't want to learn from someone else, especially in the realm of spiritual things. Think about it. Every other area, we'll go to school, learn to be a doctor. We'll even go to automa- uh, auto mechanic school, whatever it's called. I don't know, mechanical school. And, and learn how to be a mechanic. You know, any other area in life, we'll go and we'll learn from a teacher. 
But when it comes to spiritual things, well, nobody can tell me how, how to do this. Nobody can tell me that I need to be corrected in this area. I don't want someone over me because that means accountability. And then we've got to knock that thing because it's prideful. You know, it's prideful to not want to be in a position where we're learning. Because I can tell you that when you put yourself in position to have someone teach you and help you, what are you doing? You're putting yourself on a fast track is exactly what you're doing. Just like Pastor Brad said said this morning, sometimes you need to be pinched a little bit, you know? Sometimes you need the little mm, kick in the butt. And, And yeah, sometimes it may hurt a little bit, but what is it doing? It's growing you. It's growing you. It's making you better. So I want to go through three things, three different uh, people that you need to have in your life tonight that is so important in your life. Um, But first, I want to finish reading this scripture because this is important. Stay in the same place in verse 23, and it says, Right after he calls them, what does it say? It says, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues. So he did what? Teaching. That's the first one. Next, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought, him, brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. And large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. So he did three things with his disciples. He taught them. They were listening to him teach. They were listening to him preach. And they were watching and observing him as he was healing. These three things, these are the things that we need to do. As I go through uh, father, spiritual fathership or discipleship, these are the three things in the spiritual realm that we need to be focusing on when we're pouring into someone else's life or when we're observing other people's lives. So this has a lot to do with discipleship. So let's turn, um, let's turn to... Hebrews 5, verse 12. And the first person that you need to have in your life is someone that you are discipling. Someone that you are discipling. I'm kind of going to go through this backwards because I want to spend a little bit more time on the third one. But someone you are discipling. And of course, we know in, in Matthew 28, the Bible says, you know, Jesus was getting ready to, to ascend to heaven. And he says, go and make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what does it say right after that? It says, and teaching them to obey all of my commandments or everything that I have commanded you. So he, we oftentimes remember the go and make disciples and, 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 we'll, and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But we kind of leave off the and teach them the commands. Teach them the commands because this hits a place where nobody wants their feathers ruffled. You know, we don't <laughs> teach them the commands. Well, you know, we want to go. We want to make sure our churches are cozy and, you know, padded chairs and make sure nobody feels anything rough. And, and they come in, they're comfortable and they leave, you know, totally happy. And they didn't get their feathers ruffled or toes stepped on in any way. But the thing is, Jesus said, teach, teach the commands, teach how to transform into who I am, to imitate me, which means transformation. It means changing into the likeness of Christ. And uh, you should be in Hebrews by now. So Hebrews 5, verse, verse, well, let's go back up to 11. I know I said 12, but let's read verse 11. It says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still a 
still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So he's talking here to, to the, the church, and he's saying, you know, by now, many of you ought to be teachers. But you haven't even still grasped the elementary things yet. So either you're, you're not paying attention in, in your church services, you're not taking things seriously, or, or you've been there and you've grown to a point of stagnation. You've grown to a point where, where uh, you know, I've been a Christian for 20 years and, you know, I already know. I already know this stuff. I've heard this sermon before. I've heard this sermon. I already know this, the, these verses. I already know this teaching. So, you know, I'm just going to kind of zone out. I'm not going to, like, pay attention or I'm not going to, like, be ready for God to show me a new revelation of this. You know, so he's saying you should be teachers by now, but you're not. You're still on milk. You're still like a baby. You know, Kenneth Hagin uh, does a teaching about how to spiritually grow up. I can't remember what the name of the book is, uh, Spiritually Growing Up or something like that. But he pretty much is like, you know, after you've been a Christian for a while, you've got to fight the tendency to, to become prideful and think that you already know everything and, and get the uh, pacifier out of your mouth because you got to keep growing. You can't just depend upon everyone else's faith all the time. You got to grow your faith. You got to continue to activate your faith in your life. So here he's saying you should be teachers. Why are, why are you still in a position uh, of just needing milk? You can't handle the steak yet. You can't chew it up yet because if I give it all to you, you're going to choke on it. Or you, and pretty much what he's saying is you, don't, you can't uh, comprehend it or if I give it to you, you're going to get offended. There's, you know, some of our, our group before, you know, when they got to the point in Hana where some people were asking them questions because they had been uh, learning for some time and, and so people, other people were beginning to look at them and, and ask them questions because they'd been Christians for, you know, a few years. So, and so their life had begun to be a testimony. And so they would start asking them questions and then they would come back and say, well, how do I explain this? Because this is, you know, this is kind of a big question. And how do I, how do I give them all this information? This isn't, you know, they're asking a big question and, and it's a lot more than what really they can handle. And I said, you kind of just have to spoon feed them. You have to give them what they can handle at the, at the moment because if you go too deep, they'll choke. They'll choke on the meat of the word because they can't handle it all. So you got to kind of give them as much as they can handle. You give them what they can handle. Just like a child, you, you don't start out feeding them a, a T-bone steak. Because they'll choke, right? So you, you feed them applesauce. You feed them things that are, that are going to go down easy. So that's what, what you do, you know? But that's what he's saying. He says, you should be further along than this by now, but you're not. You ought to be teachers, but you're not. So what is my first point? We ought to be discipling someone. Someone. Now, obviously, if you just got saved uh, yesterday, if you just got saved recently, you know, then, yeah, you have, you have this cushion of time. But if you've been saved a while, you should begin to be discipling someone. There should be someone in your life that you can point to and say, I'm pouring into this person. I'm, I'm giving them the word of God. I'm, I'm loving on them. I'm trying to lead them to Christ, whatever it is. I'm, try, I'm being the salt of the earth in their, in their presence. I'm trying to get them to an understanding of who Jesus Christ is. I'm sowing into their life spiritually because ultimately it's about leaving a legacy. We take nothing with us except for souls. There's nothing that gets credited to our account other than what we do for the kingdom of God. So at the end of it all in eternity, those are the only things that count. And what is your legacy? What is it that you leave behind? Because you can't take things with you. You can't take uh, material things with you. So the only thing that counts is what you invest spiritually into other people. 
And I understand that even finances, you know, because we talk about, you know, doing outreach and things like that. Yes, those things can also be something that's, that's in our account, but we should also be using our life to sow into other people spiritually, giving them the word of God in some way. Someone should be under you and you sowing into them. You know, that's why we have life groups. Uh, you know, and, and I know, you know, with COVID-19 and all of that, that kind of slowed everything down, but we want to be, be able to kick those things back up. We want uh, people to be in life groups. Why? Because what happens in life groups? You're able to sit down and talk one-on-one. You're able to have conversations with people. You're able to ask questions. You're able to build relationships. It's different than this type of a setting. You're able to learn. In fact, that's how, how you know, when we had church in Hana, uh, we would have church, but many times people were over at our house. Where did they learn a lot of this stuff? In our living room, hanging out, learning through life. You know, how do you handle this situation? How do you handle that? How do you raise your kids? How do you, you know, all of these things that come up just by observation and what you do in life through conversation. Because I, you know, someone doesn't always know what you're going through, what you're dealing with, what questions you may have unless you're able to talk. And so life groups are so important for that reason where you can sit down and begin to, to ask questions. And that's also a place where, where people become family. You know, people want to know that you care first before they know how much you know. They're not really concerned with how much you know as they are with how much do you care about me? How much do you love me? When I know how much you love me and that you'll protect my heart, then I know that I can trust you. Then I'll I'll begin to make progress with you. So that's number one. Who are we discipling? Number two is... The, the other pe- another person we need in our life are people that sharpen us. People that sharpen us. That's people on our own level. People that, that will encourage us. In fact, turn over to uh, Romans chapter 1. Verse 11. Romans 1.11. He says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That, that is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Mutually encouraged by each other's faith. It's very important. That's one of the reasons why we gather. So we can be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. You know, when I hear stories of you guys, you know, it lifts me up. I'm excited whenever I hear testimonies that that you are overcoming, things that are happening in your life, things that, that you're believing God for, and it happens, I get excited for you. It makes me excited. It encourages my faith to hear your stories. So it's a mutual encouragement. It's a strengthening. Even if people go through a, a difficult time, where do they need to get counsel? Where do they need to get advice? Where do they need to draw their strength from from the family of God what happens if they go to the world it's gonna it's gonna get ugly they're gonna get wrong advice they're gonna get things that that they shouldn't be doing because guess what the world's gonna say oh you know just take some of this just go here just I'm going to a party tonight I'm gonna go do this once you come with me it'll make you feel better we're gonna go hang out over here or I would just oh you know that husband of yours, just ditch him. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't treat you right. Just get rid of him. You know, there's another, there's another boo-boo out there for you. You know, you can go get him and somebody else's and, and there'll be wrong advice instead of godly counsel. So we have to strengthen, encourage one, one another in Christ. And that's why it's important who you hang around with, because who you hang around with and who's speaking into your ear is going to determine a lot in your life. It will, because who you hang around with is the direction that you will go. So make sure that you're hanging around and getting uh, wise counsel from people. Um, you know, it's just encouraging, strengthening. In fact, Paul said in first, or sorry, 2 Timothy 1.16, he said, 
May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Wenzephorus. That was a, a guy, in case you were wondering, what word did she just say? Wenzephorus. For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. This is while Paul was in prison. And this guy, Wenzephorus, would come. And, and while other people were ashamed of what Paul had done or that he was in chains for the gospel, you know, this guy would come and refresh him and, and, and just encourage him. Can you imagine if you were alone in prison? And other people had turned their back on you, you know, for preaching the gospel. And, and somebody would come and visit and encourage. It would lift your spirit up. When we go through difficult times, when we're, when we're going through a, a time where, where things aren't, you know, we might be struggling to keep faith in something. And somebody comes alongside and says, you're, you're going to make this. You're going Keep your faith. Don't back down. Don't get defeated. God has got this. So don't lose strength and don't lose hope. And it encourages your faith because they're speaking into you. And they're speaking into your situation. And they're telling you don't lose sight of what God's going to do in your life. So don't get defeated. Raise your chin. Keep going. Stay strong. So people that sharpen us, that's why it's so important to be around uh, sisters, brothers in Christ. That's the second person in your life. And then the third, the third is someone discipling us. Someone discipling us. And this is the one we tend to kick back a little bit more on. This is the one where, where we, we don't necessarily want someone uh, there because this this is when they might um, tell us that we're out of line somewhere, and we don't want to hear that. <laughs> but they're also the person that can also keep us uh, on track and give us good, good advice, too, because this is someone that's, that's above you spiritually, someone that's been a Christian longer, that understands. Well, I can't say that. Sorry. Let me take that back. Let me take that back, because it's not always about the length of time that you've been a Christian, honestly. It's about uh, your understanding of the word and your faith and how well your relationship is with the Lord and, and whether you're hearing from the Lord. Because you can be a Christian for a long time and you can have a great spiritual position. But like, to, I'll, I'll use Killa for instance. When, when Killa was in um, Hawaii, he was on the praise and worship team. He was uh, helping in leadership in Hana. And then he came to us and said, I feel called to go to school. And I, I you know, I'm getting ready to go to Tampa in, in the fall or whatever. You know, it could have been as a leader, very easy as a pastor to, to misguide him and say, no, I don't think that you should go. You know, we really need you here. And I don't think you're hearing from the Lord right. Because of our own selfish motivation, you see? So even someone in position or someone, because you as a, as a pastor or a leader, you have to keep your own biases uh, apart. You, you can't allow your own uh, selfish desires to misguide someone else. You have to be in a position where you're faithful to God with all things, and you trust in him. Even though we were going to be losing out on a leader and someone was going to have to take his spot or, some, or we were going to be missing a link there for a time, we had to trust God that God was going to send someone or fill the gap somehow. It, you know, any time a, a leader is, is in a position, they have to guard those things. So you got to make sure that you're getting counsel and wisdom from someone that's not going to be selfish in their own motivation or their ambition about you. So they're giving you wise counsel. They're giving you un, um, just godly, godly wisdom. So someone discipling us. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. First Corinthians chapter four, verse 15. It says, even though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you do not have many spiritual fathers. For in Jesus Christ, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. 
For this reason, I am sending you Timothy, my son, whom I love. Now, this was not his physical son. This was his spiritual son. Paul's talking about spiritual sons that he has. He says, who is faithful in the Lord, he will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. So he's saying, I'm sending you my spiritual son, Timothy. I've raised him up. I've poured into him. He has uh, watched, observed. I've taught him, and I'm sending him to you, and he's going to remind you uh, how, to, how to operate in this Christian life. He's going to teach you. He's going to show you how to live for Christ. He's going to show you how to live in faith and in speech, in love, in purity, in all of these things. He's going to teach you. And he said, imitate me. Again, it's not a bad thing to look at people's lives who have fruit coming out of their life, who are faithful to God, who have a long-standing test of time with God, and they're not off doing their own thing or off doing something in the world, and they're showing themselves faithful. You can watch people like that and see the, the pattern of their life on what has made them successful, what has given them uh, a blessing in their life, what has given them protection and deliverance. So he's saying here, he says, you might have a lot of instructors. You might have a lot of teachers, but you don't have many spiritual fathers. What is he saying? He's saying there's a lot of people that teach. There's a lot of people that, that will stand up and, and give you a, a word out of the Bible. There's a lot of people that will explain verses. They'll preach a message to you. But you don't have many spiritual fathers. That means you don't have many people that are going to direct you when you get offline. You don't, a father is different than a teacher. If you've been in school and the teacher, they're there just for that classroom for that day. They're just there to tell you, you know, X, 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 hand your paperback. Uh, you you got to see whatever it is. But as far as w where your life is going, they're n they don't play any part in that really. They're not, they're not going above and beyond to see you excel whenever you get to 12th grade, to college, to your marriage, to your finances. They're, they're absent. They're just instructing you in whatever it is, science, math, English, whatever classroom thing that they have just in that, that realm, they're, they're showing you what they know in that realm. But as for a spiritual father, a father's going to discipline. A father's going to instruct. A father's going to teach you a different way to do something if you're not understanding. A father's going to listen. A father's going to have counsel. A father's going to be honest with you and, and not hide things from you. A father's going to be real, you know, and, and he's going to say, hey, what's going on? You know, uh, seem, things seem a little off right now. Where, where are things at with you? Are, you? are you doing okay? Well, let's get things on track. Well, let's, you know, let me pray with you on this. Let me, let me show you a better way. Well, let's talk this out. A father's going to be different. And that's why Paul was saying, you don't have many spiritual fathers in the faith. You've got a lot of teachers, and when you've got a lot of teachers, that's great, but it's easy to go your own way and not to be on the fast track. You need spiritual fathers or spiritual mothers in your life because this is really what puts you on the fast track. Uh, a friend of ours, uh, evangelist Teddy Shuttlesworth, just wrote a book recently called Further Faster, and it's all about impartation, and I know you're thinking. <laughs> he came to Hana a few years back, and, and he and Pastor Brad got into a conversation and about the book that he was writing, and, and I, you know, they were saying at the time, uh, Brad was saying, further faster, further faster, so that's, that ended up being the name of it. <laughs> so Brad takes credit for it, but Anyway, it's all about impartation. Impartation comes through laying on of hands, but it also comes through teaching. It also comes through preaching. It also comes through uh, hearing the word of God and someone explaining it to you. It can also come by you just being around that person and watching how they deal with life. That's huge. I was, I was reading a, a story the other day, and it was about a, a lady. She wanted to learn how, how to do pottery. 
and she had went to Japan. There was a Japanese lady there, and she had done pottery for many, many years, and she took on apprenti uh, apprentices. And so she applies for this position uh, of one of the students, but she didn't have four years because most students she would take on, she would take them on for four years. And she's like, I don't, I don't have that much time. I'm only doing, I'm only here for six months. So I guess they made an exception or whatever. They they allowed her to come in. So she was there for six months. She's like, I get there first day. She has me washing her dishes. Second day, she has me out there digging in, in the garden. Third day, she has me folding her clothes. Like, it had nothing to do with pottery. <laughs> and she learned real quick. In fact, the, the whole six months, she did not touch. She didn't throw one pot the whole six months. But she was learning the lifestyle of the potter. And she was, for whatever, it didn't go into a lot of detail, but she was learning. It's kind of like a karate kid. Wax on, wax off. You guys watch Karate Kid? Okay, wax on, wax off. And, and even through that, he was showing him motions. But, but the guy is getting aggravated. You know, the student's getting aggravated. What's the, he's just got me washing his car. He's just got me waxing this thing. You know, what am I learning from that? Well, he's learning, he's getting muscle toned, and he's also learning positions. And then whenever, whenever he has him out there, yeah, and painting the fence, that's right. He was, he was preparing him for positions, for defense positions, and, and so through that, he was actually learning, but he didn't realize he was learning. And so many times, it's the test that, that God is putting us through or even a, a mentor is putting us through. Because there are times when, when we watch. That's why the Bible says, don't be hasty in laying your hands on someone and giving them a position or a ministry because you don't know their character yet. You got you to gotta give them time to be tested. And the Bible also talks about, you know, if someone desires to be an elder or a deacon, give them time to show themselves and to be tested. That's what the Bible says, to test them. They've got to show themselves. They, watch them whenever they get in a tight position. Watch them whenever they're, they're dealing with something major in their life. How do they handle it? Do they keep their integrity? Do they become unfaithful all of a sudden? Or are they, are they keeping their integrity and their faithfulness to God through the whole thing? Are they believing that God is going to continue to come through no matter what? Or do they uh, begin to, to get off track? So a mentor can save you from a lot of troubles, a lot of problems. They really can. Uh, the other night, last week, in fact, I was talking to... Uh, Justin and Kayla that comes to church here and they were saying that uh, last year or something they'd went to the beach and they were following their GPS system. Well, their GPS, they, they um, I don't know where they were trying to get to, but their GPS took them all of a sudden. It did say something about the road could be unpaved, but all of a sudden they ended up, the they're just driving along, boom, they're on a beach and the water's coming up on the sand. And it was like the road had ended and they're, they're in the sand on a beach, couldn't go anywhere. So they had to like back it up. Up. And so, you know, I got to thinking about that. I thought, you know, many times we, we can hear scriptures being presented. We can hear the things from the word of God. We can hear the principle of something, but your life has specifics to it. And it's kind of like that GPS is like the, yeah, it's a great principle. It's a great idea for most of the time. But in that specific situation, if you went and asked the local, they would have said, oh, yeah, that road got washed out last year. That one's not good anymore. If you take this other road, it'll get you to where you need to go. And that's the thing. Sometimes our life has specifics. And if we will have someone that's advanced in, in spiritual things, that can help us, that can lend an ear, that we can talk to and, and bounce something off of, they can save us a lot of heartache. They can say, yeah, you're doing this, and you're doing this, and you're doing this right, but here's the one thing that you're missing. Here's the one thing that you're lacking. So that's why spiritual mentorship or fathership uh, someone in your life that's that's investing in you spiritually is so important. But I will tell you this. Give when you find that person that you feel like 
yeah, you know, this makes sense. I want someone in my life like that. I want someone that, that you know, I want them to, to speak into me. I want, I want them, I want their help. I want their counsel. I want to be able to learn quicker. Give them permission to speak into your life. Because here's the thing. Most of the time, people don't go around, people in position many times do not go around just giving their, their thoughts and opinions about, their, about everybody's life. Because they know that people can oftentimes shrug it off or get offended or they don't want to hear it. So unless it's welcomed, they won't give it many times. Because if you, will, if you go up and say, hey, listen, I, I really want to have someone helping me with spiritual things in my life when I have questions, when I have this, when I have that. Will you speak into my life? Will you be like an authority figure in my life? Will you be like a spiritual father? Will you be there whenever I have questions or I, I need something? Can, I, can, I, can you be that for me? And if, if that's something that you ask them most often, they're going to say yes. And whenever you do that, you're giving them permission to speak into your life. That way, if something comes up then, and they're seeing a, a glitch somewhere, then you, they can speak into that and know that you gave them permission, that you're not going to get upset or offended, or the likelihood of that is going to be much less because you already agreed that I'm giving you permission to, to be that person in my life. Does that make sense? Because otherwise, you know, it, it, it's almost like you're, you're in a position where you're, you're not... You're not receiving that from, from someone. You're not, you don't have that understanding with them. It's like a parent. You know, if you're, a, if you're a parent, you automatically know that you have permission to speak into your child's life. But everybody in the world is not your child. You know, it's kind of like if somebody comes into this house and they've got, they've got children and the child is, is, you know, if they're doing something majorly wrong, then, then yes, you're like, oh, don't do that. That'll hurt you. But if they're just, you know, doing something, you leave it up to the parent to, to take care of the issue. Well, it's the same thing in life. Spiritually, we don't just go around correcting and, and uh, rebuking and leading and guiding people that are not our spiritual children unless they want that in their life. So if you ask someone to be that in, in your life, then you're going to be able to, to uh, make a lot more progress in that. They'll, they will know that you're willing to listen in that way. So let people know that you're giving them that authority. And then on the other end, if you're being that for someone else, ask them. Ask them, do you care if I give you some advice on that? Or are you, are you, just, uh, are you just talking because you want to talk about it? Or, or do you want some counsel? Do you want some advice? You know, ask them. You know, don't just, don't just be someone that, that's just always like, well, this is what I think about you. This is what I think about your situation. This is what, because <laughs> honestly, there can be times when people are friends and they don't want our counsel. <laughs> they, just want, they, they just are looking at you as, as a friend because you've been friends for 15 years, you know? And so they're not seeing you as authority in their life. They're seeing you as a friend. So they just want to vent. They just want to, they just want to talk. Um, and if you, if you go and try to be their spiritual authority when they didn't ask for it, <laughs> then, then they may not receive it. So it's good to ask, do you want, do you want advice? Do you want counsel or are you just venting? Are you just, you want to talk about it, you know, or are you, do you want, you know, because the word of God talks about that, you know, just ask for an open door. If not, then they may not receive uh, uh, what you have. Um, let's finish up with reading Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12. Verse 5, it says, And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes those or he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? 
If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. If we don't receive discipline from God, then then we're truly like stepping out from his covering and, and saying, I, I don't want to I don't want to be a son. It says you're truly not his son if you're if you're stepping away from discipline of the word of God. You're, you're removing yourself from correction. You're removing yourself from, from uh, humbling yourself. Remember, the word to humble means to bend, to bend at, at uh, the correction. To, it's like a reed. Remember, I've talked about that before. It's like a reed that bends in the wind. So whatever wind that comes our way from the word of God, we're to bend to that. Whatever the word of God says, then we're to bend to that. And no matter uh, how much it may hurt, no matter how difficult it may seem, no matter how much it may be against what we're used to doing, but if we will bend and humble, ourselves to the word of God, then we can know that things are going to work out, that God is going to always watch over those that are listening to his word. It says he loves those he disciplines. If if God just let us do whatever we wanted, then he wouldn't be loving us. If I let my children do whatever they wanted growing up and, and call the shots for themselves, that's not me loving them. You know, that's, that's and many times people think that that's a that's what love is. Well, I love them and I don't want to I don't want to correct them, but that's not what love is. A loving parent will discipline their children. Why? Because they want them in the end to understand authority, to understand rules, to understand how they're supposed to 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 live life. Otherwise, when it's 20, it's not so pretty. Right? It it doesn't look pretty at 20 like it does maybe at 2. So as they get older, you want them to respect authority, to understand that there's hierarchy in place. So he says, you're illegitimate children and not true sons if you, if you remove yourself from that discipline. It says, moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little well, as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good so that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. It's not always going to be fun, but it says later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Righteousness and peace, righteousness and peace. When righteousness and peace are in your home, there's nothing better. Because when you can live your, in your home at peace, n- not wondering whether uh, someone else is going to catch you up in a lie, whether someone else is going to find out you did this, or someone's going to find a, you know, a, a picture you know, that they took of you doing something you shouldn't have been doing and blasting it on social media, whatever it is. You know, but it, if God loves us, he disciplines us. And when we are disciplined and listen to that, we can can live a life of peace and and know that we have peace in our home peace in our life and we can take our steps day by day and not be fearful that something's going to come upon us that we uh hoped was buried two years ago but now it's coming up to to attack us or coming up you know because the enemy will try to bring things up from our past to attack us that's why it's so important to clear these things out to make sure that we're holy before god we're not dabbling in sin we're not living a, a sinful life. So when God speaks to us and tells us to clear things up, uh, you know, even confronting people, dealing uh, with issues, we need to make sure that we're dealing with that, that we're talking to people, clearing the air so that there's nothing to come back and cause unpeacefulness in our life. Amen. So we should be thankful that God disciplines us. The last thing I would say on that. God can press on our spirit, and he will press on our spirit the things that we're supposed to do. But there are also times people, God will use people to speak. And and here's the thing. Many times people get their toes stepped on because they don't want to listen to the word of God through someone else. They get mad at the person, and, and they don't realize that's actually a word from God to them to fix something, but they, they get offended and they get mad. Well, you know, they were, they were teaching on this or they were preaching on that, and I just don't agree with that. Well, was it in the word of God? 
<laughs> you know, many times what we get offended over, honestly, is something the Holy Spirit's telling us to fix. <laughs> Otherwise, why would we be getting mad over it? It's kind of like the best thing, the best analogy, because people get offended over, over the message of, of giving and tithing all the time. So it's a good, it's a good thing to, to use as an example. If you're giving and tithing, you don't feel a conviction over it, right? If you're giving and tithing like the word of God says, then, then you're not getting mad when, when the pastor or somebody teaches and preaches on it. There's no conviction that comes along with it because you know in your heart that, that you're doing what the word of God says. But if you're getting, you know, aggravated, if it's, if it's ruffling you, then there's probably a chance there that maybe God's dealing with you on something. And instead, you're getting mad at the person that it's coming through. <laughs> That's truth, though, right? Yes, it's on point. <laughs> but that can be anything. You could be teaching on offense. You could be teaching on, on forgiveness. You could be teaching on parenting. You could be teaching on faith. You could be teaching on anything. And if, if it's rubbing you the wrong way and it's coming from the word of God and it's not twisted, you know, someone's not twisting it, they're bringing you the word of God. But if it's rubbing you the wrong way, then chances are it's the Holy Spirit magnifying that to you and he's saying, hello you need to look at this in your life so don't get mad at don't get mad at the messenger <laughs> so God gives us fathers in the faith he gives us uh, mothers in the faith people in the faith to help us in life not just teachers not just instructors but find people in your life that you trust that you can bring things to that you can uh, bounce things off of and say hey you know I've got this situation you know honestly there can, when you have someone like that in your life, many times they can see right off what's going on. And you don't see it because you're in the situation. And if they are spiritually over you, especially a, a pastor or a spiritual authority, many times they already know. They already know what's going on. They already know what you need to fix because the Lord is already showing them. And they're praying for you over it. So, you know, it's good to just... Uh, talk to them because they can they can clear some things up real quick for you <laughs> and and you won't have to keep going around that bush you can you can say okay I yeah I need to fix this I need to do this I didn't realize that oh I didn't see that in the word of God I didn't even know the word of God talked about that you know so now I can fix that and 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 get on the fast track get it get myself on the on instead of going around you know to this town this town this town this town to get to it I can just straight shot Straight, straight shot there and advance quickly. Amen. So those three areas, have, have someone in your life that you're discipling, have someone, have people in your life, multiple people in your life that strengthen you, that, that just sharpen you in the faith, and then have someone in your life that mentors you, that you can go to spiritually, that you can go to and, and, and ask them questions. Pray, you know, they'll pray with you. They'll, they'll help you through things. So have those three people in your life. If you're lacking in those areas, begin to pray over it. Ask God, who do I need in my life? Send someone in my life or show me who you want in my life for these areas so that I can be sharpened, so I can be living at, at a level that I'm, I'm going faster and not struggling in the same thing over and over and over. Why don't we go ahead and stand?